0: But the lesson this morning truly reflects on something that is encouraging even beyond our salvation in Christ Jesus. There is a difference between salvation and rewards in heaven. Now, I don't know if that kind of unsettles you or if you've just always thought they're just one and the same. I think the Bible makes the case for us very plain. You know, let's just start off by first acknowledging that salvation is uh, from God. You know in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 9 the text there says that Jesus is the author of salvation unto all those who obey him. And in Romans 6 verse 3 the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Rome and he said the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life unto, uh, through Christ Jesus our Lord. So eternal life, salvation is a gift. Now, a gift is something that's freely given. And Paul makes that point very clear, too, you know, in in several passages of Scripture. So there's a distinction that we need to make between salvation itself, eternal life itself, and rewards in heaven. Now, you think about it. It's a comforting thing. You know, Paul in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, when he wrote to the church at Thessalonica, they were concerned that as they have now come to understand uh, about eternal life in Christ Jesus, well, what about those of us, uh, our loved ones who died before? And Paul says, well, we won't precede them in going into heaven. No, he says in uh, chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, that the dead in Christ will rise. And then we who are alive and remain shall be called up to meet them in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Some translations say, so shall we always be with the Lord. So this eternal life, this uh, salvation that we receive uh, in Christ Jesus is one thing. But rewards in heaven are another thing. And there are a few hints that I think that we get in Scripture. Maybe you might want to call them even more than hints. Think about the Sermon on the Mount. Here's Jesus preaching a lesson uh, about the Beatitudes of life in chapter five. And as he comes to chapter six, Jesus says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust uh, do not destroy and neither can thieves break in to steal. So Jesus is telling people of his day and time that they can lay up treasures in heaven And those treasures can never be stolen. Those treasures will never become corrupted. Those treasures are in a safe place. But if it's possible for the people of Jesus' day and time to lay up treasures for themselves in heaven, then it's possible for us to do the same thing. In another passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 16, verse 27, Jesus says that when the Son of Man shall come... Now, Jesus was already here, so what he's talking about is when he comes again. When the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, he shall reward every man according to his works. Jesus is saying, when I come back, I'm going to reward every man according to his works. So there is a reward that Jesus will bring with him, that is, for every man according to his works notice that it's according to his work it's not according to his grace it's not according to his salvation it's according to this man's this person's work so we have some clear statements that show us that yes there are treasures in heaven there are rewards that the Lord will bring that the Lord will give to each one what is his just due based on his work Sometimes we get a little bit concerned about using that word work, and we're talking about Christ and heaven and so forth, but that's what the Lord used, and that's, what he, that's how he describes it. So let me just say this morning that your joy in heaven is going to depend on two or three things, at least three things that I can think of, and maybe, maybe some more you will think of as well. First of all, it's going to depend on how you react to God's grace about, about salvation, about eternal life. In that passage in Ephesians 2, verse 8, where uh, Paul says that uh, by grace are you saved, you're not saved by works, lest any man should boast. But he goes on to say that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, that is to do good works, which things God had before ordained that we should walk in them. So, there is the expression there about the grace of God has brought our salvation. Now, how we react to that salvation that we receive freely from God has a lot to do with ever how many rewards that we're going to have in heaven or what we will do in those good works that God has before ordained that we should walk in. Because if we choose to react in in a good way, We're going to understand this was a gift that was given us and that we show our appreciation for the gift that was given us by doing these very works that God had preordained that we should walk in. Salvation is not the result of our good works. Our good works are the result of our salvation. You might tend to think of it this way, grace is the root of our salvation, but the good works that we participate in that God had ordained before that we should walk in are the fruit of our salvation. That is, it has brought within us this eternal life that Christ has given, something that matures in us out of appreciation for doing these good works. So your joy in heaven is going to depend a lot on how you react to this Eternal life that is in Christ Jesus that God has freely given you. Your salvation. So it kind of, it kind of then becomes this. Well, what kind of builder are you? What kind of, uh, if you're doing good works in the name of Christ because these are the things God preordained we should do, how do you go about them? There are a couple passages of scripture I think that have a bearing on this. In Luke chapter 19, we have the parable of the nobleman. And the nobleman was someone who gave to his servants. uh, He had ten servants. He called them together and he gave them each a pound. And then the nobleman went away into a far country. And then he he would come back later. Okay. And so each one of these ten servants were given one pound. And when, when the nobleman called for the chief servant to bring an accounting. You could see that there were some who had gained uh, additional pounds. And that was a reward. And then there were some who had ten. There were some that had five. And then there was one who just hid his. So now, they all gained something except for one fellow. They all were able to build upon that one pound that the Lord had given them through their works. And so some were given ten, or or had gained ten. And the Lord, in that judgment scene, said, you know, I'll make you ruler over ten cities. And to the one that had gained five, he said to him, well, I'll make you ruler over five cities. But to the one who had hidden his, and all he could really say was, you know, this is it. I didn't think I could make it do anything. I thought you were a a hard master. You're going to reap where you have not sown and so forth. And so he just hid his talent. He hid his pound, let's put it that way. Now the point I want to make out of all that is that those rewards were given, not equally. The Lord gave to each a pound. How he rewarded them depended on what they had done with the pound that they had received. What they did with the pound that they received depended a lot on the fact of how much they appreciated working in his vineyard, being in his vineyard, being in his kingdom. Let's put it that way. So what kind of builder are you? What kind of builder am I? What are we doing with our pound, let's put it that way, or our talent, if you want to look at it that way? There's a different parable about that, the parable of the talents, of course. And it's essentially the same story, isn't it? But what kind of builder am I? What kind of builder are you? I think in, in 1 Timothy chapter five, You have a situation there where there are widows in the church, ladies whose husbands have, have died. They don't have the ability to take care of themselves as best that they can, and so it will fall to the church to provide for these ladies, for these widows. But Paul, in writing to Timothy, is expressing that there's a difference between younger widows and the older widows. And which ones are you going to enroll in the number? Which ones are you going to, to say that the church should take care of? So Paul gives to Timothy some guidelines about this, and he says, uh, if she has well reported up her good works, if she's brought up children, if she's washed the feet of the saints, if she's lodged strangers, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work, Enroll that woman into the care of the church. The church should provide for her, take care of her, because she has no one else to take care of her. Now, it's incumbent to realize that Paul also uh, says to Timothy, you know, if she has uh, children, then, of course, it's their responsibility. But we're talking about someone who's a widow indeed, has no one, and has not the ability herself to care for herself then the church should just step forward and take care of her. But she was a diligent worker. She's someone who did these things in all diligence. And that's what we want to be. We want to be diligent in our work for the Lord. So that when we see that there are works to be done, good works to be done, because we have been created in, uh, by Christ Jesus in order to do these things, we are his workmanship. Then... Let's be diligent about what we're doing. When we go out and encourage people to come to gospel meetings, that's one of the things that we do. We do that because that's a good work to do. When we take a Bible tract and I carry a few of these around, and sometimes we have an opportunity to pass one along to somebody, that's a good work that we can do. When we stop and see that somebody has a need, and it's a need that is a need indeed, that we can help with, that's a good work to do. And we do that because we are... Showing the fruit of of, of our root. Grace is the root of our salvation. How we react to that becomes the fruit of our good works. Let's put it that way. That's what they are. When we do those kinds of things, we are doing something that is a good work in the name of Christ. So that we are diligently at work. When you have an opportunity to sit down and talk with somebody about Christ Jesus and you're trying to invite somebody or, or answer their questions or get a, an opportunity to share scripture with people, that's a good work. When you are trying to use the, the word of God in a way to lead people to Christ Jesus so that they make a decision, if they want to be baptized into Christ for the remission of sins, that's a good work. All the things that we do in this life that are good works, fall into that kind of a category. But the real question is, what kind of builder am I? Am I diligently doing these works? A part of that question, then, has to do with the material that you select, or the areas in which you choose to exercise good work. What do I mean by the material that you select? Well, You know, in Matthew chapter twenty five, in that parable of the talents and the one man that hid his talent, he was a either he was either indifferent or he was lazy, but he certainly wasn't diligent. And it was to him that Jesus said, you know, he should be cast out, and there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He had not the right kind of reaction to being in God's kingdom. Our reaction will depend much on how diligently we pursue those good works. But there does need to be care about sometimes how we do that and whom we are trying to have the influence with. Let me give you a couple of examples here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says in in verse 11 that there is no other foundation can be laid than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. But then he goes on to say... Now, if any man builds on this foundation, in other words, if you're building on the foundation that Jesus Christ is the only true foundation, if you're going to build on Christ, that means you're trying to impact others and have an influence with others for Christ. So if you're going to build on this foundation, what do you build with? Paul says, if you build on this foundation with gold, you know, or silver, or precious stones, or wood, or hay, or stubble, just old straw. Be careful what you build on this foundation. Be careful what you select to build on this foundation. And here's the reason why. Because each one's work, that is each man's work, each person's work, will become clear, for the day will make it known. What day? It will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. So if anyone's work which he has built on endures, then that person, that man, will be blessed. But if his work does not endure, he will suffer loss. Now, Paul goes on to say this. But the man himself will be saved, even so as by fire. What is he talking about? He's talking about the people that we try to influence with Christ. The people that we're trying to bring to Jesus. The people that we would would not only do good works because that's the thing that we should be doing, but we have an opportunity to share the gospel with Christ. He's saying it makes a difference what kind of material that you use. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Because there's a day of fire coming, a judgment day. And that day will reveal what your work is. And if your work endures, then you receive a reward. You will be blessed. But if your work does not endure, if it is burned up, you will suffer a loss. The fact that you would suffer a loss must show that there was a reward to be had if it endured. But he's careful to note that the man himself who built with all this, he will not be lost. No, he shall be saved, even though as by fire. In other words, the fire has revealed what kind of works this man was involved in and whether or not those works were able to stand in the day of judgment. And if they're able to stand or abide in the day of a judgment, there are rewards for that individual that are in addition to his salvation. But if those works Uh, do not survive, if they are burned up, he suffers a loss. He suffers a loss of that reward. He does not suffer the loss of his salvation. So be careful what kind of material you select to share the gospel of Christ with. Isn't that the case? Isn't that what Jesus did with the 70 when he sent them out? He sent them out to all the houses of Israel, said go out to every city in Israel, go out and preach the gospel. And when you go into a house, if they do not receive your word, then when you depart from that city, shake the dust off your feet and go on. What was he saying? He is saying some people will listen, some won't. Some people will gladly accept the word of God. Some people will hear you, some won't. If they don't, if they won't, then go somewhere else. Don't spend an inordinate amount of time trying to work with straw to build something. It's not going to last. Rather, go on from that point to someone else. So listen, when you have an opportunity to sit down or to talk to somebody about the gospel of Christ or open the scriptures or maybe they've asked a question or whatever, if they're asking you a question, I would say that's good material. I would say sit down with the scripture, do what you can with that person and and leading them to Christ Jesus. If they keep asking questions, that's great. Keep answering questions from the scripture. But if you've got someone that's just totally indifferent to all of this, then that's not a good prospect for leading someone to Jesus Christ. Find somebody else. Be a diligent worker. Use your time wisely. Go to someone else or present your good works elsewhere where there might be a better influence that you can have. Do that, because that makes good sense. There will be some who will just forever say, delay, delay, delay. You know, when Paul was talking (coughs) in in Acts chapter 24, Paul was talking with Felix. And Felix is the one that said, you know, go your way, Paul. When I have a more convenient season, (coughs) I'll call for you. What was that? That was just delay, delay, delay. I really don't want to hear any more about this, Paul. (laughs) I'm really kind of indifferent to your message, Paul. Just You go your way, and when I have a convenient time, I'll send for you. Well, as far as we know, Felix never sent for him, not to hear about the gospel of Christ. And that's kind of what I'm saying here. When you are in a situation where you're trying to have an effect here from Scripture in leading people to Christ Jesus and they show these signs of indifference or delay, 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 put you off, put you off. Listen, just understand it's better that I go somewhere else. It's better use of my time and influence to go somewhere else with this. Now, if the day comes where that person really shows some kind of sincerity, comes back to you, begins to ask questions or something of that nature, then do what we're supposed to do. What did Peter say we're supposed to do when someone asks us a question for the reason for the hope that's in us with meekness and fear? What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to give an answer. Well, that means there is an answer for the hope that we have. And that means that we have an opportunity. And that shows someone that's showing interest and wanting to know something. That's good soil. That's who you want to work with. That's who you want to work with. Just exercise some, some care about the amount of time you invest in the ones that you are able to talk with about Christ Jesus. Pick, pick the good material. The gold, the silver, the precious stones, the hay, the wood, and the stubble. They're probably going to be burned up in the day. The day of judgment will reveal it as by fire. But understand this. You have, even if you lose some of the reward that's in heaven, you do not lose your salvation. You see, there are rewards that the Lord will grant to us in heaven. Didn't Jesus say that? Didn't I already give you a passage of Scripture where Jesus said when the Son of Man comes in the glory of the Father with His angels, He shall reward every man according to his work. Don't we see this in other passages of Scripture too? <clears throat> you know, Second Corinthians 5, verse 10, the Apostle Paul says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things which were done in the body according to his works, whether they be good or bad. We're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. What we're going to receive are the things that we deserve based on the things that we've done in this body. Uh, one time was in attendance at a funeral. This was over in Texas City, so it, you know it's been like 30 years ago. But anyway, it was someone I did not know. In fact, most of us in the congregation didn't know this person, but somebody had a relative, and, and uh, we went out of courtesy and all of us were surprised. I mean, the funeral home was absolutely packed. And the first thing that the fellow that was giving the, the eulogy, I guess you would say, for this deceased person, the first thing he said was, now we all know that we do not give an account for the things we have done in this life and the next life. And when I got home, My phone was ringing. Some of our brethren were calling me and asking, Did you hear that? Did I understand him to say that? Yes, that's what he said. But you know what this passage of Scripture says? This passage here, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10, says we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ and we're going to receive the things that were done according to our bodies. What we've done according to bad or good. The Lord said that when he comes back, he's going to come back with his reward. Revelation 22, verse 12, Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to every man according to his work. So there are rewards that will take place in heaven, not to be confused with the salvation that we gain, which is, a, again, a gift. We have that. That's God's mercy. What you're seeing by virtue of these rewards that are given in heaven is God's generosity toward us. So yes, there's a distinction or a difference between salvation and the the reward of good works. But it all kind of comes down to these three things. How you react to the gift of eternal life that God has given. And then what kind of builder are you? A diligent builder, like the one I mentioned in 1 Timothy Timothy 5. The widow who's going to be enrolled in the care of the church because she was a diligent worker in these good things. And she's washed the feet of the saints. She's helped to raise children. She's done all these things that, that, that Paul mentions to Timothy. But then there was the lazy builder, the indifferent builder, the man with the one talent that hid it. And then it's going to matter about where do you put the emphasis of your influence and your time with regard to people that you're trying to lead to Christ Jesus. Do you select, do you look for the good material? Those who are just going to say delay, delay, delay. Those who show signs of indifference are not good soil. but go somewhere else. Because the Lord's coming back. And He's bringing with Him the reward to give to every man, every person, according to his or her work. You know, you think about this. The first 40 years of Moses' life, Moses thought he was somebody. There he was. He was raised up in the house of Pharaoh. Had all the benefits of what that means in terms of education and prosperity, all the influence and power. He thought he was somebody. The next 40 years of Moses' life, after he had to leave Egypt, he thought he was nobody. So he just went out and went out into that desert area there, and there he was. And then the last 40 years of Moses' life, Moses learned what God could do with a nobody. Nobody. See, Moses became humble. Now, he went to stand before that tree that was burning up, and it wouldn't burn up, but it was on fire, but it wouldn't burn up. And put off my sandals, and your feet are on holy ground. And here's the message of the Lord. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go down to Egypt. I want you to go back. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And Moses begins to make his excuses. But he humbled himself before God. And now someone who thought he was a nobody is doing the will of God and will lead the people of of Israel out of bondage. You might do that too, even if you think you are a nobody. You might lead somebody out of spiritual bondage if you're humble enough to do these good works. If that needs to start with you today, if this is a beginning point for you, if this means... Well, I've spent a lot of time thinking I was somebody, and I've spent a lot of time thinking I'm really nothing at all, but if I understand that the gift of God is eternal life, and I don't have it right now, then I surely want it. Then what you need to do is come and confess that Christ Jesus is the Son of God. You need to be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of sins. But if you've done that, let me just ask you, what kind of builder are you? What kind of... What kind of material are you choosing? Where's your time, your influence spent? Spend it in the work of God. Would you come as we stand and sing?